Okay, here we are. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Elise Delucci Show. I'm Elise Delucci. Welcome to my living room. Today is episode two. This is the second episode of this podcast. And remember, you can watch it on YouTube if you want, or you can just listen on Spotify. We're going to eventually have it somewhere else like iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I think it's now called Apple Podcasts. But for now, Spotify, and I'll keep you posted when it is available there. Um, so today, I don't know, we're talking about, well, I think we're going to talk about a divorce, you know, stages of divorce. Surprise stages of divorce, as you guys know, I've mentioned to you on TikTok and whatnot. I um, I'm a single mother. I was married for about seven years, um, and I'm a divorcee. And you know, it's uh, it was definitely a process. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that talk about it. Some 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 outlets celebrate divorce. Some outlets talk about all the things you should be prepared for, all the expenses that come along with it. But I don't know. Do, I don't really talk to many people that just sort of like tell it like it is. Maybe talk about these stages and how they're affected. So. We'll get into that. Also, um, I want to tell you about this beauty product. I found a new beauty product on Amazon. It's a dupe. It's a dupe. It's an eyebrow pencil um, that I usually buy at Sephora, and I found an a, a imitation one. It's not even imitation. It's just a cheaper brand for, and it's just as good. It's probably better. And you know, it feels better because it's cheaper. So we're gonna get into that, and then um, we are going to take some questions from the audience. I have two good questions. Um, one about love, one about beauty. So we will talk about it. So anyway, let's get started. Um, back to the day. Did you know this? I haven't written down it. On average, women spend one year of their lives deciding what to wear. Can you believe that? One year. What do you do? I, you know, let me tell you something. I take my clothes out. You know, when you're a little kid and you're getting ready for school, your mother's getting ready, getting you ready for school. She'll take the clothes out. She'll lay it on the bed the night before. This is what you're wearing. This is what you're wearing. You don't ask me any questions. I, I, that, 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 has, that has carried through into my adult life. The night before, I like to lay out my clothes. Now, not necessarily before work, because before work, I kind of have a very strict uniform of what I wear. I just sort of grab and go, black shift dress, black banana pants with the tank, whatever. I don't need to lay that out. I, I could do it with my eyes closed. But on the weekends or going out, I lay it out. I lay it out. So I don't know if I spend a whole, I'm going to spend a whole year of my life picking out what to wear. But maybe. A lot of people, you know, obviously fuss on that. But uh, how was your week? What did you guys do this week for your weekend? Um, I hope it was a good one. My weekend uh, was good. It was my birthday. It was my birthday, and I had I had a really nice time. So um, on the Friday night, I went to Lorita Winery in New Jersey. Have you been there? Have you been there? Lorita Winery in New Egypt. My mother planned a little dinner um, for my sisters and myself and some family members, and it was really fun. We just uh, sat outside. Um, you know, there was sort of like Christmas lights strung around, and and um, I'm not the biggest wine drinker, but you know, you sat sat at these beautiful tables, and there was all this food, and it was really, it was really, really great. It was um, a good time. I recommend it. Although it's far from New York City, it's far from Manhattan. So I live in Manhattan, as you guys know. And it took me, oh my gosh, well, my boyfriend was going to kill me. I looked on Google Maps, right, and it says it's about an hour and forty five away. So of course, you know, I'm like, oh well, let's leave two hours in advance. We'll get there on time. We had to be there at six thirty. So let's leave at four thirty. We got to be there at six thirty. It'll be good. Now my boyfriend. You know, he's like, we have to leave at 3.30. I don't know, we don't need to leave at 3.30. That's way too much time. We don't need three hours to get there. What are we going to do on the way? Go to White Castle while we're waiting to go eat dinner? No, no, we don't need to do that. Well, lo and behold, we left my apartment at 4.30, and by 6 p.m., we weren't even at the Midtown Tunnel in Manhattan to get out of the city. So needless to say, we were an hour and a half late, and now he's like, you're done with directions. You're done with planning on what time to leave. And you know what? Fine. You know what you want? You want to you wanna, you wanna plan that stuff? That's good. 
that's good. Uh, that's not my strong point. So um, we did that on Friday, La Rita Winery. That was fun. Um, but like I said, far, a little far from Manhattan. Uh, Saturday, Saturday we went out to dinner. We went out, you know where we went? Milos, Milos restaurant in Midtown. It's so delicious. First of all, I've been there before. It's the best Greek restaurant in the city. I've been there a couple times before in New York. I also been there a couple times in uh, Miami. And it's so good. They have the freshest fish. And you know, it's outdoor dining now and everything. So it's not like going up to the thing, you're pish, picking out your fish and then, you, you know, they're, they're doing it on the side of the table. You, no, it's, you know, you're not going out uh, inside and picking out the fish, but um, they had outdoor dining and it was beautiful. And, you know, you, you ordered the most delicious Greek food you've ever had. It is pricey, but you know, it was a birthday dinner. Um, we had the uh, Branzino and a Greek salad and they put the most delicious bread on the table. The most delicious bread. And you want to know what? I like restaurants that put a little something on the table when you get there. I want a little nosh. I want a little snack. If I go to your restaurant and you don't put something on the table, I'm probably not coming back. I'm probably, you know, like I love the diner. I love a diner experience. I like when you get there, a pickle and a little coleslaw, maybe a little piece of bread, maybe a roll, a breadstick, ooh, a little packet of saltines, or Melba, Melba crackers, you know those? This place, Milos, puts the most delicious bread on the table. Um, I remembered it before I got there on Saturday, and it reminded me when I got there on Saturday, it's just so scrumptious, and I put, you know, olive oil with a little fresh oregano. So very nice, so very nice. But you know what? These places sometimes, I don't know what, I don't know if they're trying to cost cut or what, but you go to the restaurant, and, and people automatically become calm when they have a little bite. Maybe it's an amuse-bouche. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's a, a chip and salsa but I think that they're satisfied and then they order more on the menu. You know, some restaurants feel like, well, if we put free something out in the beginning, you know, they're not going to order as much because they'll fill up on that. No, no, I totally disagree. I totally disagree. Anyway, so we did that. And then Sunday, um, Sunday we went out to Long Island, just took a drive. It was nice. It was fun. It was relaxing. It wasn't anything, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to write home about, but it was, it was nice. It was a calm, nice birthday weekend. So I hope you guys had a good weekend. Um, it was like funny because on the outfit note, you know, I had originally picked out a few things to wear for my birthday weekend. I thought, well, you know, I'll wear like a long sleeve dress, maybe tights, maybe a boot. And then, you know, you wake up, you wake up and it's this in-between weather, which is a Zahara. It was like low seventies. And I, 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 you know, what, what am I going to do? I already put away my summer stuff. Okay. I already put away my summer stuff. I, I, I don't, I don't have any dressy, you know, tanks to wear with the jeans and a sandal but i may do anyway so let's get started um so divorce are you guys divorced do you have friends that divorce your parents divorce anyway of course of course you know people that are divorced um you know no one goes into marriage saying i'm gonna get divorced i mean unless you're like a gold digging hoe not me but nobody goes into this saying i'm gonna get divorced it's it's it's, it's just a messed up thing and it just happens and um and it sucks it totally sucks and you know it's like when you're married and you're having those arguments it's so easy to think i effing hate him i literally hate his guts I'm getting divorced, that's it. And it's so easy to be with your girlfriends, your family, and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm done with these arguments, he's dead to me, I'm divorcing him next year. It's so easy to do that. But then, but then you know, when you actually start to think about it, and you think about how your life is gonna be affected, it's, it's, it's crazy. But um, in my case, you know, it was bad. It, we had the same fights over and over again, and they just, it was like the spiral of death. We went to couples therapy, we did everything, you know couples therapy, 
therapy with a neighbor, you know, I, therapy with all the flight attendants I took from New York to LA, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but no, I, you know, so it's like when, when I re really said in that, like these fights are not going away, the issues are probably foundational. I don't know what to do. It was like, I guess, divorce is the answer. And it was hard, you know, because we have two young kids, we have uh, two young daughters. So that was, it made it even more daunting. But, you know, luckily my ex and I, you know, we both have, you know, good jobs and, and we're both able to support ourselves. Of course, we were able to support the, the family unit greater with the money together. But um, it's like, life is short. You only get one life. Like, shall you just fight for the rest of your days or should you just cut your losses and say, hey, we had a good time. We were great friends. We made these two beautiful children. We did make a beautiful life. We did great things to each other. But now, you know, it's uh, the party seems to be coming to an end. And it's devastating for the kids. I know because my parents are divorced. It is it's devastating to the kids. But I thought this was an okay time for me because my, my girls were younger. You know, if you think about, you know, getting divorced and your kids are like 12, 13, 16, I mean, oh, night, you know, nightmare. And I'm not saying if you're in a bad situation, you shouldn't do it. If those are your kids' ages, look, you got to do what you got to do. You got to put yourself first. They say when you get on an airplane, you know, they say, they say that's crazy thing. You know, if you're, if there's an emergency, put your mask on first before you put it on the person next to you. It's almost hard to believe if there's a child next to you, you almost want to put their mask on first before you put yours on. But, but, um, but that's what you got to do. You got to take care of yourself first. Uh, so regardless of your kids' ages. So anyway, so, you know, got the divorce. It was, um, it was hard, but you know, there's these stages that come after divorce. And I, and I think that like nobody really fully gets it. Like people say, oh, you're going to be in denial for a little bit. Oh, you're going to be miserable. Oh, you're going to be like a sexed up kitten because you haven't been out of the house in, you know, a thousand years. Get ready, get ready, get ready for divorce. But but there really are these like weird, funny stages and they just happen and they, they sort of sneak up on you. And I have, I have some of them here. It's like, okay, so the first one, there, well, I should say, there's these six stages of divorce. This is what psychologists say, right? And so the first stage they say is denial. Um, and, and, and I, I don't know if I had denial. I don't know. And it's just me being honest. Denial, they say that like, you know, when you're getting divorced, when you're in the thick of it, you, you're, you're like, you're, you're in denial of the fact that you're actually getting divorced. You know, it's like people will fill out the paperwork or they're thinking about, you know, where people are going to live and all this sort of stuff or custody and separation of assets or, you know, who, who wronged who and why this whole thing is happening. And they say that people that are in the thick of it, particularly women, they, they're like, Wait, am I really doing this? Like, am I am I really getting divorced? I, I don't think I had that phase. I don't think I did. And I don't think I had that stage because I I think that things were just bad. The communication was bad. So by the time the divorce was happening, I was just like, I am freaking tired. I am tired. Like whatever I need to do, I'm just putting my head down and I'm just gonna do it. I, I was fully conscious of getting divorced. And by the way, this beeping, it's my phone my phone blowing up. It's probably my mother. She hasn't called me back since Wednesday. So, um, you know, I don't think I had, uh, that stage, a divorce. The second, the second stage is shock, the shock. And I did have this. So shock, they, of course, you know, so here you are, you you, you, you get divorced. Maybe the separation, you have the shock, but for me, it was, um, it was after the divorce papers were signed and then final. And then I saw a copy of them and it was like, oh my God, like, I'm really like not married anymore. I really don't need to have that last name anymore. Oh my God, I was a family unit, you know, um, 
with two adults at the top and then, you know, two children. And now, now it's just like me at the top and what the hell am I going to do? Like what so shit hits the fan? It's just, if it's just me, you know, if there's a crack in the ceiling, I'm the one that has to spackle it. Like, I don't know how to do that shit. And I also don't have disposable income to be hiring a whole bunch of people to come and do it. So the shock for me was, was a thing. And I, you know, I wonder about you guys. I mean, I think, I think shock isn't only a divorce thing. I also think it's a breakup thing, you know, like just a relationship thing. If you've been with somebody for 15 years, you're kind of like, oh my God, like they're gone. They're out of my life. What do I do? It's a whole new day. And the same thing goes for friends too, you know? And, and then, so the other thing that, I, that the third, the third stage, emotional stage divorce, um, is the contrasting to emotions. I definitely had this. I 100% had this. And I feel like you're going to get it. My ear is so itchy, by the way. Ignore if you're watching. Um, one day I woke up and I thought I was, you know, out of control, Annie. I loved life. I couldn't wait to put on a fur. I couldn't wait to hit the town. I couldn't wait to have 75 martinis. I was partying. I was living the life I wanted. And then the next day I was like, oh my God, what the hell did I just do? This is miserable. I can't do anything. I need help. Why, why did I, I feel like I wrecked my life. I lived on fire and it, the roller coaster just went on. And you know, and sometimes it does. Sometimes it really does. Sometimes I'll be sitting somewhere and I'll see a couple, beautiful couple laughing and smiling and and I'm just like, you know, oh, I miss that. And then I sort of get sort of wallow and I, I feel really depressed for um, a little bit. And then, and then of course, you know, I go out and then I'm, I'm, I'm back to, you know, love and life and being single. And it's just this really insane, vicious thing. I don't, I don't know why it is. I feel, I feel the reason is just because the, the relationship, the marriage is, was so permanent, permanent air quotes. Um, so, so, you know, such a big to do. Um, the wedding, all the guests, the gifts, the having children, all the religious ceremonies that come with that, setting up a home, sharing everything, checking in with every, you know, your partner on every single thing. And then one day, you know, when it's not there, it's like this amazing freeing feeling like you're, 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 you jumped in the deep end and you were sweating hot and the water is cool and it's amazing. And then, and then all of a sudden you realize, shit, the water is so cold. I'm going to get hypothermia. I want to get back out and get in the sun. And I think it's just this, this, um, this really hard contrasting emotions. And, um, I, I definitely had that. The, the fourth, the fourth one is bargaining, right? Like bargaining. And, and I don't know if this bargaining happens when you're still married or going through the divorce or post-divorce, but basically what bargaining is, it's this feeling that your marriage is still going to work. Like maybe there's hope. And I don't, I don't know if I really had this. I mean, you know, did I think that maybe my marriage was still going to work out. I think maybe like I had a few glimmers of that, but not really. See, in, in my, in my divorce, nothing really happened. It wasn't like, there wasn't a big catastrophe that happened. You know, um, we just really were very different. I, I, we were just different. I mean, that's, I think that's the easiest way to say it. I did have a job at one point, uh, towards the end of our marriage that I loved and unfortunately got laid off from, and that definitely affected, um, you know, a lot of things, but, we, you know, 
I'm born and raised New Yorker and my ex is uh, British. He was born in Zimbabwe and he grew up in Wales and we were just different, everything through and through. I mean, I ate, he drank, I yelled, he was quiet. You know, I, I, I like to be voluptuous and maybe a slight on the rotund side and he thinks that everybody should be emaciated. Like just night and day, night and day. We didn't have one, we didn't have one big event that happened to just, to just stop to just stop it all, you know? It was just it was just sort of these gradual things. And I think that when you have these cultural differences, these foundational differences, it just gnaws at the marriage, it gnaws at you. And when you have kids, obviously that complicates things because I think that we have this thing in our mind that we want to, um, we're not, we, want, we, we just inherently sort of think to raise our kids or do the things we did and we had, our traditions that we had growing up. You know, so in Manhattan, you know, it's like there's all these people that maybe come from all over the world and, you know, they grew up in their specific, with specific traditions or whatever, and they move to the city that has a ton of transplants in it. And they're just like, oh, I'm not doing this. I'm not baptizing them. I'm not doing a breast effort, effort. And I live in Manhattan and, I, and, I, and I'm this. But then it's like you get the baby. All of a sudden you get this little tiny, you know, seven pound baby in your arms. You're like, oh my God, a breast. Of course I'm going to give it the breast. What else am I going to do? It's a baby boy. We need to have the breast. And then there you go. Your, your husband, who doesn't even know what a breast is, is like, breast, you told me that you, you told me you were over this stuff. You told me this is why you left. This is why you came to the big city. You don't want to do a breast. What are you doing? And, 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 and that's what happens in my opinion. Um, the fifth stage, the fifth stage, letting go letting go. I, again, every, this is every relationship, every single relationship, like letting go of the notion that your marriage is gone. It's, it's never coming back. And, um, that was really hard for me. Like the worst was when I walked by some stores that we used to go to, or maybe, um, you know, I ate something that I, I knew that like we used to eat together, like our favorite Chinese restaurant or something. And I just felt really sad. It was like, it reminded me of that time. And um, it was sort of like the finality of, oh, this is really like a new day. And, and it's not coming back. And I think that's for every relationship, friendships, um, dating, you know, there's always those little things you do with the other person that you share with the other person. And again, like when you have the kids, it's, ugh, you know, that's, you, you have, you've created little beautiful lives together and you both, and you love them. You, you love them to death. You love them. You love them still the same before, still the same during, still the same after the divorce. But, but that realization that this is really done. There's got just like, let go, like, like, like just drop it all and, and figure out a way to keep moving. That, that is that stage. Um, and it's really hard. And then I, you know, the last stage of the last emotional stage of divorce is acceptance, accepting that this is your reality. That was scary for me. That was really scary, scary for me. Like, you know, I wanted, I wanted something different. I wasn't happy. I didn't know what the different thing was. I just wasn't happy. And I knew, I knew deep down in my gut, I knew I wasn't being sort of true to myself. And I know that sounds like so corny, like oh, I'm being true to myself. No, but I really did. I knew I wasn't being true to myself. And, and you know, like once it actually went through and everything was final and signed off, accepting like, okay, I made this very adult decision to get married. I then made this very adult decision to get unmarried. And now I made this very adult decision to live in this sort of new world 
on my own with my children, su support people by myself. And, and I have to accept that because, because you can't really reverse divorce. I mean, some people do, right? But like, really, when you, when you have kids, you can't go doing shit like that. Like you're going to confuse the kids. So the acceptance for me was, was really hard. And I'm sure you, um, and those, that's what they say these emotional stages are. And I think that probably traditionally they exist. Maybe we don't even know that they're happening, but you know, it's just, everybody's like, oh, my divorce was crazy. Aside from all the other crazy stuff that happens, lawyers, this, that, fine, whatever, finances. But there's these emotional, emotional milestones of divorce. And I think that, that that's what those are. But you know, there's other things that happen in divorce like that are surprising. Like, and I think we never really think about them. So if you are considering breaking up or if you have broken up, you know, I would say, listen to these things or you definitely know these. One of the things for me was financially. Now, of course I knew I was going to go from a dual income household to a single income household. Of course I knew that. But one of the things that I didn't realize was like my debt to income ratio was going to go down, right? Like, I know this sounds so crazy. Like, what the hell is she talking about? Well, debt to income ratio, really, at least really? Yes, let me tell you why. Okay, so I, I you know, so like I said, I live here in the city and, um, and, and I always, and I have a mortgage. And I always thought one day, I was dreamed one day down the road, you know, maybe I'll have a little beach house somewhere. Everybody needs to dream. And that was, you know, a little dream I had. And I thought that, you know, that dream was kind of attainable with another, um, you know, income. And it is. Uh, and it was, I should say. But when I got divorced, I realized that you only get mortgage. You get mortgages based on your debt to income ratio. So how much debt do you have? mortgage debt, you know, your current mortgage debt, how much debt do you have in comparison to your income? And I, I, I don't know the exact number, but maybe the debt to income ratio, I don't know, 37% or something like this. I, I really don't know off the top of my head. I should have probably looked that up before I started this thing. But when you have two, you know, if you're both making $50,000, 50 plus 50 is a hundred. And then if you have $50,000 of, of mortgage debt, you know, like your debt to income ratio, isn't that, you know, it's, 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 it's whatever. But, but when you're just on the one income, and then if you wanted to ever get a second mortgage, well, if you wanted to, obviously, if, if you were able to save it for a second down payment, which I could never do, but if you ever wanted to get a second mortgage and you're, you know, and they're calculating this stuff and then you realize like the debt to income ratio, like it's actually never happening. It's never possible. That was like something that was, um, that was like a surprise of the divorce. And, and it, and nobody told me about that. And I never, I didn't even think that that would be something that was going to be in my mind zeitgeist. I just, I just realized it when I was started reading articles about second homes and how you get mortgages for a second home. And I called the mortgage broker and I was like, if I ever wanted to, because I'm having a Stella got her groove back moment, could I ever get a second mortgage? Like if I played enough scratch offs and I want a down payment and then I saw that beach house in the Hamptons, can I get it? And he was like, no. And I'm like, why? And he's like, why at least? Because you already have mortgage debt and you only have one income and you cannot, no one's given you a mortgage even if you have the down payment, we're not giving you a mortgage, a second mortgage, because we know based on your income that you can't realistically pay that monthly payment onto. And I was like, God damn it. I didn't think of that shit. I really didn't think of that. Another thing that I think is a surprise is both parties, surprise, both parties sometimes think that they're going to keep the marital home, right? Like, and that's hard. That's hard. So 
traditionally, I mean, not that divorces are so traditional, but maybe like baby boom generation, you know, everybody's like the, the woman is going to keep the house. Like she, she was the, the mother and she's the, the kids and she's going to keep the house. But you want to know what? These days, men and women, they're making the same amount of money. Men and women are equal. You got guys that wearing aprons, doing, doing the floors, doing the dishes. It's not the same as, you know, in the 50s, whatever. So it's like both parties, I think, when you're going through divorce, they think that they're going to be the ones that stay in the house. Nobody really actually thinks, no, I'm going to have to go and rent a new apartment and set up a new apartment and paint the walls and get a new couch. And I know I'm going to have to get a whole new pot set and, 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 and a blender and sheets. And, oh, my God, mattress pads. I'm going to have to find mattress pads. It's like these little things, these little things. Um, I stayed, I stayed in our house and it wasn't, I mean, we didn't live here for that long together. So it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a slightly different, but, um, that, that I think, that I think was, was a surprise. And I think another surprise, again, not me because I, I, I worked, I worked throughout my whole marriage was, um, you know, some women that don't have to work when they're married have the luxury of not working or, make the sacrifice to leave their jobs and stay home and raise their kids while their husband is out earning. Sometimes you just don't realize that you're going to have to go back and go to work. And the job you might've went back to work with air quotes versus the job you're going to have to get post divorce going back to work are going to be different. Like, I'm sorry when you're married and and you know, if your husband's making a decent income and you're staying home and raising the kids and then your kids go to school and you want to get a job, fine. It might be okay to go work in the flower shop and make pretty rose arrangements all day long because your money's going to be laundry, gas, grocery money, whatever. But I'm sorry, your florist salary probably isn't going to be paying the bills if you're a single parent, a divorcee. Um, I think that that's something that people really need to think about. I have a friend um, that is a teacher and she stopped working to have her babies and she was just so uncomfortable and miserable in her marriage after she stopped working. And to be honest, she probably just should have went back to work as a teacher, but she didn't do that. And, um, you know, and she stayed, she just stayed unhappy for a really long time. And then she was like, fuck it. I can't do this anymore. I'm getting divorced. Like I, I can't handle it. And so she, she, um, she went through a divorce and and then she was like, I'm going to also start a new career. And she wanted to become a real estate agent. And she realized that being a real estate agent, she wasn't going to get a, any salary. And she was just like, Elise, like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Like, what am I going to do? I, I just said, I'm getting divorced. I signed these papers. And now I'm trying to be a real estate agent. I have no salary. I'm, I'm so stressed out because I'm stressed out. I'm making commissions. And I don't know why she didn't go back to her teaching job. I don't know, remember the reason for that. But I think that surprise of divorce is also this realization of you are going to have to go back to the workforce. If you weren't into the workforce, you're going to have to march right back in there and you're going to have to start killing it and making some freaking money because, because that shit doesn't go on throw on trees. And I, and I just want to say something in my divorce. I actually didn't use lawyers. I mentioned lawyers early. I didn't use lawyers because my ex and I were both business people. And it was just like, listen, we're business people we could figure this out ourselves. We'll divide everything down the middle. We want to keep it civil. And we did. And, and I, and I really recommend that because I think that, um, the money that you spend, if you can, I recommend that because the money that you spend with lawyers is just crazy. I mean, they say divorce law is twenty, thirty thousand $30,000, really twenty, thirty thousand. That's, that's a shitload of money. That's a shitload of money. That's twenty, thirty thousand dollars less that either one of you will be having post-divorce or splitting post-divorce. It's like, and you got married, you had kids, you made a life with each other for a certain amount of time. 
really, you can't come together at the end of two mature, mature adults and just say, split it down the middle. I know, I know. I shouldn't really even say that because I know, I feel like I'm, I'm sort of in the lesser camp. I, I got lucky. We, we, we both were just pretty level-headed. And I know some divorces are really nasty, but if you can avoid that kind of financial burden with the lawyers, I feel like they're just blood, blood sucking, blood sucking you, you know? Life life post-divorce that's like a whole nother topic for a whole nother day i mean that moment when you wake up in your house you know after you went through these stages after you went through the surprise stages that moment when you wake up in your house and you're like oh my god i'm living alone like the last time i was living alone i was sleeping on a bunk bed in the dorm somewhere i can't believe you know like it's this whole new world and you realize like oh my god i could go to the supermarket and not ask somebody what i need to get them Honey, do you want regular bread, whole wheat bread, or potato bread? You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. It's just like, there's like that, those kind of moments, living alone. Or like, you know, when, you, when you're divorced, you live alone, you realize you can have a male suitor or a female suitor, whatever you fancy, come over your house. That was a weird moment for me. You know, because it was like, this is my home. This is the home I raised my children. You're not coming in here. But, but you can, but you can because you're, you're divorcee, you're, you're an adult. Adults, you have your house and you can do whatever the F you want. Send the kids to the grandmother's house. Have the men come in. Feed me grapes, darling. But you could do it. Divorce. It's hard. Okay, let's talk about beauty. Enough of that shit. You know what? I use an eyebrow pencil on my eyes, on my eyebrows. Do you? Do you? So I used to not do that because my sisters used to think that I looked like a, a, a man in drag. But I went through a lot of different eyebrow pencils and I finally found one that I loved. It was recommended by this girl that was threading my eyebrows uh, years ago. And it's Anastasia of Beverly Hills Brow Wiz. It's a great pencil. It's a thin little pencil. And on one side, it has a little brush for your eyebrows. And on the other side is the pencil. It's a retractable pencil. It's $23. I buy it at Sephora. I think I also I got it at Ulta a couple times. You can also buy it at Amazon. Anastasia of Beverly Hills Brow Wiz, $23. Here's the thing. $23 when you're a single mother and you got kids and the bills all fall on your shoulders. Guess what? Too rich for my blood, baby. And to be honest, it probably was too rich for my blood when I was married too. But, you know, I splurged and whatever. And then... Therein lies an Amazon dupe so glorious I couldn't even believe. And let me get the let me get actually the product name right so you could Google it. It's um I read it right here. I wrote it. NYX Professional Makeup Micro Brow Pencil. NYX Professional Makeup Micro Brow Pencil. Seven dollars on Amazon. Exact same thing. Exact same thing. Literally has the pencil, the one end with the little thing, the brush thing, and then the other and little retractable thing. The colors are very similar. So in, um, in Anastasia of Beverly Hills, I was buying a medium brown. I have very, very dark natural brown hair. My eyebrows are also very dark. I was buying medium brown. It was perfect. So it wasn't like drag queen black. It was, it was like natural. I mean, you probably could tell that I pencil my eyebrows a bit, but it was good. It wasn't like drawing. It wasn't like when your friend gets her eyebrows done. You're like, what the did you just do to your eyebrows? You look crazy. You look like Frida Kahlo. No, my, my pencil was good. Medium brown for my coloring. But NYX, um, I have uh, 
two colors, ash brown and also brunette. Brunette is a little um, darker. Ash brown is if you're sort of like a have lighter brown hair. But both are good. Sometimes I mix both together. Sometimes I do, if I want something a little more dramatic for nighttime, I'll use the brunette, the darker color. Sometimes a day I'll do the ash brown. But, but I'm sorry, $7 a pencil versus 23, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. You could get three, three, three of the NYX pencils. So what is it? NYX Makeup Micro Brow Pencil. $7 Amazon. They also sell that brand um, in the drugstores. I saw it in CVS uh, and they also saw it in Ulta. It, it, it's amazing. It's exactly, it's literally exactly the same. You do not need to spend $23 on a brow pencil. And by the way, this brow pencil, since it's retractable, it's not one of the ones that you could shop in. When the, when the ones that you could shop in they, they sometimes last longer. I feel like you can eke out more of them. The retractable ones, once they're done, they're done. Like once that Anastasia pencil is done, I'm like trying to get things out. I'm like drawing the brow on like a crayon. And it's, it's too much. It's too much. So I switched. I saved money. I'm happy. And I've done that with a lot of my products, by the way. I'll tell you about them in weeks to come. But why... Why should I go spend $40 on shampoo like a, like a lunatic? I did it at 22 years old. I read a shampoo and a lore. Oh, $40 for a shampoo. And mother's like, crazy. But meanwhile, I would buy it because the magazines tell me to buy it. And then as I got older, next thing I know, I'm using VO5. And there's a 99 cents Alberto VO5. Fine for me. Thank you. And, uh, and that's how you save money anyway, right? You guys know this. Okay. So guess what? So you might follow me on TikTok. I don't know if you do. You might. And um, I have all these friends on TikTok. They're not friends that I knew, like, in the real life. They're, like, my TikTok girlfriends. But they're actually really freaking awesome. It's, I have, like, 100,000 followers or something. I don't even know how that happened. I'm just recording 30, 60-second videos, whatever. Anyway, I got these girlfriends. And I call them my girlfriends because we really we talk in the comments. Like, I'll post a video about whatever. I don't know. Divorce or, you know, liposuction or a bra I found just on Amazon that's amazing and way better than Victoria's Secret. Way better. And then these girls are commenting. They're commenting like, oh my God, I don't like this bra. I like this bra. Oh, oh, oh. It's just, it's like a real conversation with real people. It's like the comment threads on iVillage, like from a bunch of years ago. I don't know if you remember the website iVillage. They have this amazing community of women. And they all would comment and talk to each other and trade tips and secrets and recipes. And it's cool. And me being like the creator, the content creator of my TikTok channel, whatever, whatever the kids are calling these days. Um, it's so nice because I get to read all the comments and respond to all of them, uh, or most, as many as I possibly can without neglecting my children, of course. <sighs> Bad mom. Um, but uh, I asked them recently, I said, hey, should I start a podcast? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, what am I going to talk about? And I'll, I'll figure it out. But I also said, what would you, you want to know? You have any questions to me or topics that we should talk about? And a couple of them, um, I, well, not a couple, a bunch of girls wrote to me with questions. So I'm going to pick two, two per podcast. So this is today. Um, the first question is, Elise, I've been single for five years. How do I get back into the dating game? I've been single for five years. How do I get back into the dating game? This is a hard question for me. You know why? Because, and by the way, I'm no expert. I just want to say this to you. And I, you, you know this. I mean, and we can talk about what I do full-time down the road, but I, I'm not an expert. I'm not, an, I'm not a dear Abby. I'm just talking to you as a single divorced woman, not telling you my age, that's had some life experience and kids and jobs and careers and schools and da da da. So I'm not an expert, but um, I have a lot of girlfriends, not just my TikTok girlfriends, I have a lot of real real life girlfriends. You hear this noise, you hear this, this thing, this is why people wear headphones when they podcast, so you don't have to hear the um, FDNY truck blowing down your block. Anyway, so this lady's been single five years, how do you get back in the dating game? I think you just do it. 
but this is a hard question for me to answer because I've always been one of these people that like loved relationships. You know, I'm not somebody that's codependent, but I really just always like to be in a relationship. I'm better in a relationship. Not that I'm not good alone. I'm fine alone. I can survive. It's fine. But I just feel better, like secure, like uh, when I have somebody that I could consistently talk to every day that knows all about me and I know all about them and we, we're, we're monogamous with each other. I, I'm just like better with that. I'm not good at like just, you know, sleeping around and hooking around. I mean, I'm all about hooking around to meet the guys, don't get me wrong, and have fun and have a drink here and have a drink there, but I'm better. I am better as a human being when I, I'm in a monogamous relationship. So um, it's hard for me to say like the dating game because it's a real, it's a game and depending on the level of game that you want to, you want to play it. Um, but after being single for five years, that's difficult because you've been single. You, 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 you have all your, your single things that you like to do. You like to sit and drink a coffee for 95 minutes every morning and watch the CBS morning show on Sundays. And, and then at 11 o'clock, you want to bagel on locks. Then you want to go sleep for two hours. I mean, you have, it, that, that's hard if you're going to bring somebody into that world. But that's probably more than what, when you're more serious, right? And you're like introducing them literally into your day-to-day -day life. But I think that if you've been single for five years and you're thinking about getting back into the dating game, I think you should just go. I think you should just download an app and just freaking take a dive. And the apps are funny, right? Like, and I, I, I did the apps, right? Like, so eHarmony is for like, I think really serious, super, super serious, maybe more on the conservative side. Match.com I think is good because it's, because it's serious, but there's like young, cool people on there or people seem to have more of a, I don't know, a, a, a gregarious outlook. And then the other apps like Hinge and Tinder. I mean, Tinder's for like, you know, just straight dogging. You want to just get down dogging. That's like Tinder, right? And then Hinge and um, Coffee Meets Bagel, by the way. A lot of good men on Coffee Meets Bagel. I recommend that one. I met a lot of really good guys on there, except for the guy that found out I had kids on like the second date, even though I told him in my profile. And the second date, he's like, yeah, I can't see him anymore. He was a Coffee Meets Bageler. But, but he was still good. But he was still good because nice on paper, presented himself nice in person. And that's like everybody met on that app. But I think you should just get back in the dating game. What are you waiting for? If you're thinking about getting back in the dating game, just do it. And I know it could be daunting. I know it is. I know it is. And like, you know, to be honest, I would have a glass of wine, have a cocktail and just write your profile with a couple of girlfriends, have them take a decent picture of you and just slap it up on the internet. And if you want somebody to look at your picture, I'm happy to look at it and help you with your profile. I feel like I'm good at that. But you know, what you should also talk about on dates, you know, I think you should think about what you kind of want to talk about. Like when I go on this date, I want to talk about X, Y, and Z. Like I don't want to get into a weird conversation about politics. Or I don't want to get into a weird conversation about kids. Or I don't want to get into a weird conversation about are we fucking on the first night. Like I, I, I want to avoid all that. I think you have to think about that in terms of when you actually get on the date. What, what are going to be your talking points? What are you going to stand for and not stand for? Let me know how it goes. Second question is Botox, Elise. Botox. You mentioned Botox a few times on TikTok. Tell me the good, the bad, the ugly. I am scared. I have these lines on my forehead and they have to go away. What do you think? Okay. So here's the thing. I know everybody gets Botox. Like everybody I know gets Botox. I did not get Botox until a few months ago. I got it. I love it. I love it. I thought it was a little weird putting something in your, 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 you know, your, your head or whatever. <laughs> that like freezes, freezes these, these wrinkles or whatever, but I, I like it. So here, here, okay, here's the thing, the good. 
you go in to the, the, the beautician, esthetician, the plastic surgeon, whoever, you, the, the injection is very tiny. It's a little tiny pinch. You barely feel it. The next day, you know, you get home, whatever. Your head might like be a little sore for like a hot minute. And then it's, it's fine. It's really fine. Take a Tylenol. It's fine. Then when you wake up the next day, it is like you woke up from a thousand year nap. If you have children, if you are tired all the time, if you work the graveyard shift, you're going to get Botox and you're going to wake up the next morning. You're going to feel like a million bucks. Like you just felt like the grizzly bear that just came out of hibernation from the winter. I felt so refreshed. I couldn't feel it myself. I was like, oh my God, I look a thousand years younger. I love it. I love it for that. Here's the downside. The downside is you have to get it done every three to four months. That's right. So I was recently due for a Botox session and I was like, ah, I'll probably make it go for six months. I could probably let it go for six. And you know what? I really couldn't because every time I looked in the mirror, I just saw the wrinkles coming back in my head. And I was like, oh, that I don't like that because now I look tired again. So there's like some addictive thing that goes on there. You, you, you could get it once, never get it again, but you're, it's not going to happen. You're going to get it once, you're going to want to get it again. So be prepared for that. What I'm saying is it's going to be an ongoing expense. Kind of. The other thing is that when you get it, you can bruise a little bit. And listen, if you don't care about that kind of stuff, I don't care about that kind of stuff. Bruise me up. If you're going to make me look younger, bruise away. I could care less. The first time I got it, I had no bruising. The second time I got it, I had a little bruising here. They put the injection over here and I had a little tiny bruise. I said to my boyfriend, I was like, I got a bruise on my face. What'd you do to me in the night? And he was like, it's probably from the Botox, which by the way, I wasn't even telling him, but he cornered me. I'm like, where are you going? What are you doing? And I was like, oh, Botox. So I had to wind up telling him. So a little bit of bruising. Um, what else can I tell you? It's expensive. I mean, it, depending on where you go, it is expensive. You know, like some places cost just have one flat fee. My place just has one flat fee. I play whether I get Botox all over my face just in one one little line. It's one flat fee. Other places um, charge you per unit, like twenty or thirty dollars per unit. I think like maybe some people have like fifty or sixty units on like an average session or something. So it listen, it is costly. It, you know, and you got to factor that in. Like, it's like, are you going to take something away from your monthly bills, you know, to, to, and replace it with Botox? Like I, 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 I'd replace eating. Okay. Because that, that's just how much I like it. Now, the other thing um, that you should know, and it's not a con, it's just a FYI. It might take a few times to get like the right formula, right? If that makes sense. Like, so all Botox is sort of the same you know, the same, like it's, it's, it's not like it's a different strengths. However, it might be 50 units one time, see how it goes. And the next time you might get 80 units and that, that 80 units, your face might be all frozen up and you might not be able to lift your brows. And if you could see, I can't, I'm doing it now. You can't, for anybody listening, cause this is a podcast, not a YouTube thing. I can lift my brows slightly left, but like my, my, my forehead won't wrinkle up. So what I'm trying to say is that the first time you get it, you might love your results. The second time, it might be like, oh my God, they put too much or not enough. The third time, it might be perfect. So you kind of have to like figure it out. It's like, it's like when you change your hair and you get a new haircut. It's like the first time you like it, you don't know if you like it. The second time you get it like, you know, zhuzhed up a little bit differently. And then you're like, this is it. This is exactly the Jennifer Aniston cut I always dreamed about. This is perfect. The same thing with Botox. That's it. I love it. I recommend it. You think all these bitches in the magazines, all these celebrities, they're not going to Botox? They are. They are, but you should talk to your doctor about it because I don't, I don't, I'm not someone in the medical field. I don't know all the ins and outs. Dude, there could be allergies for all the hell I know. Um, you know, I, silly, silly me, didn't look into any of that. I was like, I'm going to Botox, see you later. And I just dived in the deep end and I'm not looking back. 
So I recommend. Okay. Anyway, we've been talking for a long time. So let me, let me close out this podcast with a quote. I love quotes. I love quotes. And I feel like a lot of women love quotes, but this is a good quote. Um, and I, I live by quotes like this. When you have a dream, you got to grab it and never let it go. Carol Burnett said that. When you have a dream, you got to grab it and never let it go. Carol Burnett. True words. True words. I've been spoken, right? Anyway, so listen, that's all for today's episode of the Lisa Lucci Show. Thank you for listening. Listen, make sure you subscribe to my podcast on Spotify. It is eventually going to be on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you call it. Um, when it is, I will let you know. But for now, we are on Spotify. Again, I am Elise DeLucci. Next week, we're going to be talking about all sorts of things. Revenge liposuction. How about that? Revenge liposuction. We're going to be answering more questions from the audience. I can't wait to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening. Follow me on TikTok at Elise DeLucci. You can follow me on Instagram at Elise DeLucci and see family pictures if you want. Or you can go to my website that I never update, EliseDeLucci.com. But TikTok is where you can find me if you want to talk every day. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week on the Elise DeLucci Show. Thank you.